0: Northwest Eye Surgeons and Site Partners, I am Dr. Brett Bentz, and you're listening to The Focal Point, where we invite doctors and surgeons from the fields of ophthalmology and optometry to discuss the latest trends in medical eye care. Thank you for joining us. Well, welcome back to the second episode on launching a dry practice, Lessons Learned with Dr. Casey Claypool. Dr. Claypool, again, is a chief of optometry at Empire Eye Physicians of Spokane Valley in Washington State. He is an authority on dry eye practice and is a speaker and published extensively on dry eye management. So, Dr. Claypool, welcome back to the second podcast. Thank you, Brett, so much for having me. It's an honor. From the first podcast, we reviewed my biography uh, dry eye questionnaire and some other elements of initial evaluation, let to switch gears a bit. Let's talk about treatment and specifically treatment with meibomian gland deficiency or meibomian gland disease. And so what equipment needs are we are looking at to launch our practice?
1: That's a great question too, Brett. And I think that's often what keeps doctors from launching a dry practice is they're scared about the cost of investment of what to get and thinking, will this work? Will it help my patients? And first off, we we did much better with treating our patients than we ever thought we would, both from a clinical standpoint of helping our patients, but also even from a financial reward of having that that cost to- benefit ratio. We started with Lupaflow technology about 10 years ago and back then it was significantly more than it is now and and I'd say the success rate has been much more than we thought it would be even as far as helping our patients have better comfort better functionality of their vision you know post surgically pre surgically it's been a great boon to our practice and and the 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 studies have shown that MGD is the most common underlying cause of what we call dry eye with patients. And so we, we, we found that's been great. We, we've added IPL um, since then in the last few years, and that's been helpful because that addresses a lot of that inflammatory component. So for a short answer... I would say you need some sort of gland evacuation device uh, that can safely and consistently remove meibomian gland obstruction. That, that's going to be catching the bulk of your dry and MGD patients that are presenting in your clinic. Yes, there are also benefits from anti-inflammatory treatments such as IPL, BBL, some of these other devices out there, and that will definitely help your practice. But if you're starting launching, I would recommend something along the lines of the gland evacuation devices because manual expression is just not safe enough, we feel, or of course, is not time beneficial for the clinician by any means.
0: Thank you, Dr. Claypool. Excellent. I really appreciated the detail that you gave towards some of the equipment choices we face. So the next question would be if we're going to be making a, a significant purchase, and you talked about the options out there, which would be LipaFlow, at least IPL, ILux, perhaps others in the future, how does a clinician know which one of those, if you if there was a concern about cost, would it be something that we should buy all the equipment? Should we be focused on a certain equipment uh how do you make that decision in your practice
1: that's a great question brett i'd recommend talking to colleagues and doing research on studies your colleagues in the field have some experience if they already have some of these devices but also there's a lot of neat research out there for blind studies and and not just what the company is saying works and and for us clinically just as a short answer what we love with the LipaFlow technology, it is very well researched and and has great data behind it. Now, with that said, we're, we have new technologies that have great research as well that's coming out. Um, and the the core, I would recommend having a treatment device that will remove myobimian gland obstruction. A lot of the treatments out there will reduce inflammation, and that will be a smaller subset of your population. We we treated. Probably about eight thousand patients with with many of these devices over the years, and again from our experience, I'd recommend a gland a device that will remove obstruction of the glands first, such as you know LipaFlow, Ilux, um, care, some of these devices. We've had the greatest success with lipoflow because of the consistency and repeatability of the treatment, um, and then also we've had additional things that have benefited adding them to lipoflow, such as IPL. So as you're launching a dry eye practice, I would first start with talking with colleagues, doing research, and, and looking at those devices that are well studied.
0: That's excellent. Thank you very much for outlining what you think we should be looking at in terms of developing a dry eye practice and the equipment needs. Casey, uh, let's say the patient has a significant dry eye and you've diagnosed this very chronic condition. They need to have treatment let's say, with LipaFlow, and it's out-of-pocket cost, how do you discuss cost with patients?
1: Just like with many things, we never should take cost into consideration for a treatment recommendation. Our job is to educate, I feel, and to present to the patient their condition and treatment options, and then let them make the decision uh, for what they can do gratefully, the cost of these treatments have come down, and some, but some patients still can't afford them. And so for those patients, there are many options that we have available. They may not be as successful, but gratefully, there are still other treatment options that we can provide. And so our job is not to convert, it's not to sell, it's just to educate.
0: Well, Casey, thank you. The question also comes up with patients who, let's say, have made the investment in having a lipophobe procedure and let's say within two, four, six weeks, they're not seeing improvement, how do you respond to that patients who may still have symptoms of dry eye and they're wanting to have seen better response from treatment?
1: I'd like to answer that with an analogy. So when we do cataract surgery, but the patient has a significant ERM, the cataract surgery was still a success, but they have something else that's causing that decrease in vision. When I do a treatment, whether it's I put them on a prescription eye drop or I'm treating them with a treatment such as Lipoflow or IPL, each treatment has its goal in mind. And the nice thing with this specifically, so say they had Lipoflow, my goal is to remove abomian gland obstruction. And clinically, after thousands of patients, it works. It works 100% of the time to open up those glands and help them flow better. And the symptoms I want to get better, but I want to help the patient understand sometimes that's a process. Sometimes I don't have all the tools I need to know what's causing their inflammation so that I may need to, may need to change their drops from, say, to Zydra or vice versa or ad or steroid or other treatments that are out there. These patients can be complicated, but initially, they, can't, they mostly are basic. And the other part to that answer would be the studies definitely confirm this. Dues to... And multiple other studies with TFOS and so on show that there's a spectrum of dry eye. There's the evaporative component, there's also the aqueous component, but most patients are a combination of the two. So many of these patients will need meibomian gland therapy, as well as reduction of inflammation to help their symptoms. And so I think those studies are really important to understand as we treat these patients, that it may be a cataract and an ERM, not just one condition.
0: Thank you, uh, Casey, for your comments. Certainly from someone who treats a lot of glaucoma and managing a chronic disease, dry eye is that kind of disease that does take patience. It takes partnership. It takes really an understanding that this is not gonna go away with short treatments, but actually a commitment for continued therapy. So thank you very much for addressing that issue.
1: And thanks for bringing that up too. The nice thing with dry eye is it'll change the lives of these patients that you will be so grateful you are launching this dry eye practice and changing people's lives. And it's it's been a fun journey. We're still learning. Uh, but thanks for bringing that up too, But I like to think of these patients often as lifelong patients too, kind of like glaucoma. So it'll help your practice grow. But also you're going to help these patients in loyalty and referrals because they're going to be so grateful that you as their family eye doctor, as their as their friend, their, their doctor they've been seeing for years, to know that you have their best interest in heart trying to help preserve their ocular health and, and help them see better for the rest of their
0: lives. Well, fantastic. Uh, Casey, Speaking for all of our staff and doctors, we appreciate all that you do for our patients at uh, Site Partners, and specific for you, Empire Eye Physicians. You do excellent work there in Spokane. We're very proud of what you've accomplished, and uh, just want to acknowledge you very much as being a part of our organization. Thank you, Casey.
1: Thank you, Brett. It's been an honor to be here with your tremendous service and leadership for optometry. I know it's not my job to do this, but your legacy for optometry has been fantastic. So thank you again to Brett, for for helping optometry throughout the nation, but also here within our state and communities.
0: That's this week's edition of The Focal Point. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe and tune in next week for another episode and update on medical eye care. I'm your host, Dr. Brett Benz, and thank you for joining us.